By the way, as a side note, actually, we should just have a section for ballers every week in the news. OBJ is possibly the worst actor I've ever seen. (laughs) He's just so terrible. Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We're four weeks in. We kind of know who's rising to the top and who is stinky, stinky floater sitting right down the bottom. Okay, so we got Connor here and we've got Ronan. Hey, how are you getting on? Ah, not too bad. Just tipping away at work, getting up early for the rugby. Uh, disappointing this week. Uh, Ireland managing to lose to Japan, but uh, fair play to Japan. They were up for the game, and uh, I think for the game of rugby in general, having uh, what's Colloquially known as a tier two nation win, a game like that's probably good for the sport overall. To be fair, yeah, and it's nice as well because they're the hosting nation as well, which is kind of cool. Oh yeah, of course. Lovely. Japanese, great bunch of lads. Great right? bunch of lads all together. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, it was good fun. Uh, I watched the second half of the game here. I was studying at the time. I'm kind of flat out at the moment. It's got exams at the arse as well as work, so uh, just trying to get all that done. And the missus is away at the moment. She's over in Jordan, so fun times all round. Yeah. It was good, uh, good couple of games. A lot of surprises in last week's games, actually. Uh, yeah, kind of a lot of, a lot of road wins. I think, yeah, the, the the home field wasn't really helping anyone out. Uh, but yeah, it's, we'll we'll be going through all the games in a bit. But yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting one altogether. So I suppose we'll kick off into the news. Uh, the first up, we'll probably look at some of the injuries. So it's continuing carousel of. Uh, all of the quarterbacks getting injured and having to be replaced. I think next week there's going to be more than a third of the league are going to be starting their not the same starter from the from the beginning of the season. So uh, a lot of change happening there. We'll start in Chicago. Quarterback Mitch Trubisky has got a dislocated shoulder and he's out for two to four weeks after uh, taking a bit of a knock in the game. They was replaced by Chase Daniels, who, as we'll talk about in a bit, did a pretty decent job in uh, relief. So... What are the issues this year for Chicago been that Mitch Trubisky hasn't looked very good? And be that purely him, be it the scheme, you know, the way that they're trying to use him versus previous years. They almost looked like they got a bit of a spark with him going out. Now, I know limited sample size and Chase Daniels is kind of like the champion of doing a small amount of things very well and getting himself paid. But is this going to have a big impact on their offense, given that he wasn't really up to that much beforehand? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a swap, right? Like, I think with Chase Daniel, you have someone who does the work and kind of understands the game plan and executes plays as they're drawn up. Basically, basically Matt Nagy's doing most of the work there. Yeah. Whereas with Mitchell Trubisky, there's definitely been a lot of plays, a lot of analysis so far this season showing that he's missing out on obvious throws. He's missing out overthrowing plays and just generally not reading the game properly as far as people can tell. But of course, in exchange for that you know, better understanding from Daniel. You're obviously losing a huge amount of dynamicism, both in terms of obviously Mitch Trubisky's ability to make plays on the run, but also Mitch Trubisky has a much better arm than Chase Daniel. Like Chase Daniel looked like a decent quarterback, but you could also tell that when he tried to push it downfield that he just doesn't have that kind of arm, basically, at this point in his career, yeah. perhaps never having his career. So I think, obviously, Mitch Trubisky's ceiling is a lot higher, but I think with Chase Daniel, you have one of those kind of prototypical backup quarterbacks who mm-hmm. hopefully can hold the fort until Trubisky is back, and hopefully maybe Trubisky can use some of the time off to get into the get into the game, 
game plan, get into the study books and uh, make sure that he's ready to go when he's back on the field. It's actually surprising a dislocated shoulder two to four weeks, but apparently it's non-throwing arm, so not a non-surgical, so apparently he, he should be back after the bye, uh, which they will be having next week. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Buffalo have also lost their starting QB for a bit. Josh Allen got a concussion. It's not clear how long he'll be. Obviously, concussions can vary. They're saying they're expecting a max of just one week missing. So this is after he took a bad hit. You know, a helmet-to-helmet hit from the Patriots defender. Like, very, very bad technique. But I don't know if he was, like, aiming to hit him in the head, basically. But I think with Josh Allen, the way that he plays the game, particularly his interest in kind of running the ball mm-hmm. this kind of this was kind of inevitable and maybe hopefully serves a little bit of a, a wake-up call that building your entire offense around that isn't quite good enough now whether Josh Allen is good enough to be more of a standard quarterback or whether he's just a rich man's Blake Bortles which is what I called in the past is another question but uh Certainly, you want to find out either way, and not by him, yeah. you know, slowly losing his memory. Yeah, like my, my my big problem with this was that they didn't eject the Patriots player for the hit because when I look back at it on replay, okay, it's not like a Burfitt who we'll talk about later on level kind of you know going in after the whistle targeting type thing, but this was exactly what that type of rule is there for for someone taking incorrect form into a tackle, taking someone helmet to helmet causing enough damage to have him removed from the game and probably for at least another week or so. Like, if this wasn't Josh Allen, I think it was said after after the game by one of the other players, if someone delivered that hit on a Tom Brady, that player is out of there instantly. But because it's Josh Allen and because, oh, he's a not a prototypical quarterback because he's kind of a bit more of a runner and stuff, they get away with this. Well, like, the rules, once you become a runner, are a lot more liberal in terms of what can happen. You know, if Tom Brady ran the ball more, he might be in those situations more often, but he stays in the pocket and is protected by the significant um, number of additional protections he gets by choosing to do so. So, like, I definitely see that perspective, and definitely he could have been ejected, Jonathan Jones, but once you choose to act like a running back, you ended up getting treated like a running back. Maybe there's a wider point about how running backs basically get no protection at all. But someone delivered that hit to a running back, I'd also expect him to be getting ejected. Like, yeah. you know, it's uh, but yeah, a so running back would get his head down further and kind of avoid that. Possibly, I suppose. Yeah, they're not going to be as tall normally as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this Buffalo have an interesting situation. We'll obviously talk about them later on, but you know. If he's only gone for the week, it's not that bad. And Buffalo have a nice slate of games coming up. Uh, we will probably talk this later on the season about the kind of the the track towards the playoffs. But I must say, particularly after that game, I'm I'm a lot more interested in what they might be able to do, particularly with that defense. So hopefully, this doesn't hold them back too much. Uh, Denver lost their defensive end Bradley Chubby tore his ACL, and he's gone for the season. But uh, like he was. Playing very well, had a great season last year, is kind of the building block of what their next generation of that defense is going to be. And losing him is a really big hit to, like, they were already a pretty bottom feeder looking kind of team at the moment, but that's, that's a massive harm. The one thing that surprised me the most was, <laughs> apparently, I didn't realize at the time, apparently he was playing on after this injury. So he's still on the field playing with this torn ACL. And it was only afterwards they realised how serious the damage was. Like, Denver aren't really a relevant team at the moment. Like, they may be a little bit unlucky to be 0-4, but they're 0-4 in a division with the Chiefs and, to a lesser extent, the Chargers. 
oh, I suppose the Raiders now. Yeah, like they're already pretty much dead in the water and it seems like a lost season and with Drew Locke injured, there's not even anything for them to really hang their hat on. I think for Bradley Chubb, yeah, he looked good. Uh, a bit unfortunate with uh, roughing the pass penalty in week one, but uh, I expect that he'll come back from this. These days, 20 sales aren't really the career enders that they might have been a few decades ago and he should be back to where he is. Whether he'll be coming back to a team that's much better next year is a different question. Yeah, well, I'm imagining they're just kind of waiting out the clock on their quarter, their rookie quarterback guy to, to stop being injured and then maybe see what they have in that because I think it's, uh, although on a side note, apparently uh, John Elway's just not been there for uh, most of the last week or two because he's been doing a press tour for this pharmaceutical company that he's involved in and uh, has been missing from the facility quite a lot. So maybe he's already... Maybe, maybe he's realising the writing's on the wall for how fucking terrible <laughs> he's been as a GM and that maybe it's uh, he's, he's pretty much pushed out the door. Green Bay took a couple of injuries that uh, aren't looking great. So wide receiver Devontae Adams, who's been having just a, a career kind of season at the moment, turf toe one of four weeks, so he's going to be missing for that. And running back Jamal Williams, very early on in the matchup, uh, received a concussion, was knocked out with a helmet hit, and uh, they're unsure about what his track to return is. Now, they have been kind of using two backs and not really having a lead back, so this will change that up a little bit. But Devontae Adams was a key piece of that passing offense that, as we said, has been feast or famine, not really hitting all the high notes that you'd hope it to be. And if you lose a playmaker like Adams, that's going to really hurt like an offense that's built around a couple of very big chunk plays. Yeah, Jamal Williams was kind of their passing down back. Typically, Aaron Jones is more of a traditional runner. So I think that will make them a lot less dynamic in those situations as well. It's an opportunity, I suppose, to see these young fellas uh, with the cool names, MVS, Geronimo Allison. Good, good names to come up with. Oh, yeah. not, not, but Devontae Adams is a huge loss. And yeah, I think like Green Bay aren't an offense first team at the moment, let's be honest. So mm-hmm. they're going to hope that the defense continues to step up. Otherwise, they're likely to catch up a few more losses uh before Devontae Adams gets back, probably. No, of course. And the other team that took a bit of a hit here is offensive tackle Tyron Smith of the Dallas Cowboys has a high ankle sprain. He's gone for two to four weeks. And this is obviously a big way because Dallas are, you know, kind of built on that line, built on having the run game, being able to protect Dak to give him a bit of time. Now, they've obviously had a bit more success with Kellen Winslow running the offense at the moment, but Tyron Smith is a big part of what gets them that success. And this is going to hurt, particularly given that they've got the likes of Green Bay coming in this week. Yeah, early indications are that it's less severe than might have been expected for high ankle sprains. So if they get him back within a couple of weeks, I think that should minimize the uh, problems for them due to this injury. Yeah, no, of course. And obviously we'll talk about those in both the game reviews and the previews for next week. We'll move over to Controversy Corner. A few interesting bits happened this week. Uh, Melvin Gordon has finally ended his holdout. He ended it... uh, just, I think it was a Wednesday last week. As you've noted here, I think among the least successful attempts in NFL history to hold out. So he's back early to the team, realizing that realistically he's probably only costing himself value as well as game checks by not being there. Every week he wasn't there, Austin Eckler and uh, Jackson were really getting it done for the Chargers, so he wasn't giving himself any favors there either. So he returned to the team and started training during the week last week. He was active for the game but didn't play on the weekend and is expected now to come back this week now this adds depth to a position that like this is the thing the Chargers on paper are so much better than their record would suggest or their play on the field really has suggested and uh, if Gordon's 
with anywhere near the level it was before, and it's going to add a nice dimension to that to that offense. Yeah, like I think Justin Jackson, there was some hype about him that he could take on the Melvin Gordon kind of more bruiser role, but I don't think he's really shown to be capable of doing that. I think Melvin Gordon, when he's when he's fit and when he's ready, is like a top five running back. Health issues aside, um, but I think you know, I think we saw that the Chargers were more than able to scheme around not having like a running back or like a three down like an all all down mm-hmm. running back. They're like, well, we have Eckler, he's good for lots of things. He may not be as good with tackles, but whatever, that's fine. We can scheme around that because we have Philip Rivers. So I think unlike say Ezekiel Elliott, this was a team where Melvin Gordon was always a complimentary piece. And all the hold I did was prove that basically he lost himself several game checks, gonna be right back where he started, and he's gonna end up on a different team next year. As well as that, even though these things are not comparable, he is going to appear to potential suitors next year as a more replaceable player. Now it's because of the scheme and the way they run and the other personnel they have in Los Angeles that they're able to get replacement production so quickly and so immediately from the likes of Eckler and Jackson and the fact that Eckler is quite a good back and Jackson is quite a good back but the fact that they didn't miss a beat with that will be in the minds of the GMs who are looking at what deal they're going to give this guy next year and even though the situation won't be transferable it will be in the back of their minds that this guy was completely replaceable so he's not yeah. that difference maker and that's going to play I think very poorly for him Antonio Brown uh, speaking of people who have ruined their chances of good deals with GMs continues this descent into madness so he has filed a NFL record nine grievances and appeals with the NFL, seeking approximately, reports are saying, approximately $61 million from Oakland, New England, uh, and whatnot. I, I'm just very good. He's obviously just gone from the league. No one's ever going to touch him again. He's just got this. He's got essentially trying to fight a GM and calling him a cracker. Then making jokes about <laughs> about Robert Kraft's uh, sex exploits down in Florida. And then, like, it's just it's just crazy how quickly this has crumbled. It's something ridiculous. It's just hard, hard to imagine. Like, like he was last year the Madden cover star yeah he was like coming off being one of the best players in the league and now he's out of the league effectively you know gone back to college yeah uh, which is fun i suppose like i can understand why he's you know making these claims like it's probably like a no-lose situation like since he's not really burning any bridges yeah the bridges are burnt so i think i can understand at least from that point of view but yeah the fact that he continues to basically you know, be active on social media and not really get out of the spotlight probably will not endear himself to whatever litigator ends up being involved uh, evaluating these cases. Oh, yeah. I, I like you said, uh, experts are, like most of the legal expertise seems to believe that he has a, an okay chance of maybe getting the money from New England, uh, a pretty marginal chance of getting money from Oakland, but and he'll, get, he'll, get, he'll get his money from lawyers, Pittsburgh. might as well get paid them to look at all of it basically well that's it yeah and then he's just got so many other little small bits of like he uh, released a video on YouTube of his his only touchdown for the New England Patriots uh, with the tagline you know he scores his whatever touchdown it was and he also is successful in his court case and gets uh, $61 million in the NFL so it's kind of like you know put it out into the world and make it real kind of thing looking for proofreaders for his college uh, assignments on Twitter and all stuff he just this dude is just clearly not right. Like, uh, it's 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 just crazy. And to think 
like you said, six months ago he signed a deal to make himself the highest paid wide receiver in the league, and then now this is where he is. It's just it's just crazy. Uh, on to crime and punishment, uh, one of the people who may be considered the catalyst for Antonio Brown's brain meltdown, Vontez Burfett, has received a suspension for, or full, for the rest of this uh, season for a helmet-to-helmet hit in the game on the weekend. It was absolutely disgusting. No explanation for it at all he came in after a player was down on the ground lent in helmet to helmet just cleaned him out of it entirely and then took his helmet off was laughing and blowing kisses at the crowd as he was booed out of the place uh this is the largest suspension ever given for an on-field incident but this guy has an has a just a, a rap sheet a mile long on this stuff uh, between uh penalty fees to the league and missed game checks he's spent approximately five and a half million dollars on dirty hits like i like it's good to see the back of this guy i'll be honest but like just i, I just don't understand how in this day and age particularly when there were stories coming out in the offseason about like he was only holding brown back from a fight and he was trying to like calm down people and stop fights on the field between his players and then he just goes fuck it i'm going back to my old ways i'm gonna go and try and kill another player it, it, it beggars belief like he's been suspended multiple games over his career for this type of behaviour. His last suspension was for PEDs as well, so he's obviously not a saint off the field either. Mm-hmm. So I just it was disgusting to get on Jack Doyle. It, it just doesn't belong in the league. That kind of headhunting behaviour and there was a bit of headhunting going on in some other games as well. Yeah. But I think with Vontaze perfect, like I think the league uh, finally said enough is enough there's no way this guy should continue to be in the league he's a danger to everyone on the field uh, when he continues to play some criticism should definitely go the way of John Gruden because Vontaze Burford was effectively out of the league he was, no one was really interested in him John Gruden decided that he's an old school type player who fits his you know rah rah mode and this is the consequence of that I don't think he should uh, uh, he should I think he should take his fair share of the blame for this situation as well but uh, Vontaze Burford definitely earned this unprecedented suspension and it's been a long time coming and hopefully this may be the end of his career as well to be honest I've got to imagine it is at this point like no one wants that in their locker room and he's going to be a year older he's going to be out of it yeah just yeah just just terrible stuff he's been a shitbag of a player for years and finally, he's probably getting a proper bit of a bit of a comeuppance for it. Uh, transaction stuff. There hasn't been a huge amount of transactions. We had a trade. Pittsburgh gave a 2025th round for tight end Nick v- Vanette from uh, Seattle. Vanette? Yeah. Yeah, Vanette. But, uh, yeah, so Vance McDonald is banged up in, in Pittsburgh. So they decided to trade a fifth-round pick because they just don't want any picks left for 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and Seattle brought back an old face from Luke Wilson, last seen on Hard Knocks. But uh, a bit of an unusual one for Pittsburgh. I know they're now only one game behind in the AFC North, but the amount of draft capital they're burning through on a season where they're going to be playing a, a fairly, well, say, not world-beating young quarterback after Ben Rothbard went out is, is, is quite something. It's almost like they're trying to avoid getting fired because there'll be nothing for the person who'd come after them to actually use. Yeah. <laughs> Fire me if you want. No one wants this job. Um, <laughs> the other one is that there's been news circulating about Kansas City and quarterback Patrick Mahomes and not based entirely off the plot of ballers. Speculation is lining up that they are going to look at somewhere in the region of a $200 million extension for quarterback Patrick Mahomes. That's a lot of moolah. That's a lot of moolah. But yeah, he'll... Ballers, like, 
<laughs> I'm loving it to be honest. It's just so stupid. It's great. Like just, just just for any of our listeners aren't aware, the current season is about the Rock becoming the GM of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, sorry, let's make this very clear. The Rock becoming the owner of the Kansas oh, yes. City owner Chiefs and then appointing GM. himself GM and then having the B plot or the probably D plot at this point is him having to negotiate Patrick Mahomes' con- contract while his ex-business partner who hates him has bought the like the agency that represents Pat Mahomes to try and fuck with him. It's uh, truly remarkable stuff. But yeah, so they look at the, the the talks are about a two hundred million dollar extension, which to be honest, I'd be more than happy with. That'd be fine by me because I think the, the the talk, particularly about that with an extension, would be that you'll also still be keeping two more years of him on a cheap contract because it would be an extension to his deal rather than just tearing up the deal yeah. and starting fresh. Like, and similar re- to the Zeke contract, it's going to be a long, long one. So two hundred million. It depends how many years that's divided among. To be honest, yeah. so well, this means, it's I'm, home, so it's worth it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that they're basically talking to a hundred million five year extension, forty million a year per average on that. That averages down then to probably about thirty seven a year once you take in the the additional year on the contract that's already there. And yeah, like to be honest, if anything, it, the, the big speculation around this contract isn't the size because yeah. I'd have no problem with them paying $40 million a year for Patrick Mahomes. That's no issue at all. The only thing is that a lot of quarterbacks these days are looking more towards the taking a slightly shorter deal with like higher guaranteed money and less kind of accelerators and stuff. So we'll see how that works out. And there's even talk about breaking into the NBA contract sort of thing of a percentage of the salary cap so it grows over time as well. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, is that involved? Oh, excellent. I must I must rewatch and, and pick up on all the subtlety that's in there. It's uh oh it's truly cool. Uh, but yeah. And uh the big news obviously, the big news this week, uh the all all the off season rumors of this Jay Z possible ownership stake in a team and him arranging the halftime acts. They've really knocked it out of the park this time. They've got Shakira and Jennifer Lopez for the uh, Super Bowl halftime show, which will be uh, an interesting one, I suppose. I yeah, well, I think J Lo's she's maybe having a uh, J Lonison J because she like hustlers. Uh, her latest film apparently is getting some good uh, rap. Very good rap, uh, I hear. Yep. And Shakira, you know Shakira, Shakira, whatever. She's got a few hints that you'll know. And oh yeah, you know, like this is the thing. It's a, it's probably a f- taking care of herself. So you know, I'm not going to play too much. It's like it's a 15 minute halftime act. Like it's, it's it it'll be fine. They've got enough hit songs between them. Actually, I still got I still got a Jennifer Lopez track on. I think part of my gym playlist. So it's a. Uh, it's always good. <laughs> so yeah, so that'll be exciting. To be honest, it'll, it'll definitely be a step up over the fucking god awful shit we had last year. So, uh, so that's good. That's good. I suppose we'll move on and we'll take a look at the games from last week. Okay, so first up, uh, Thursday night football, Philly at Green Bay, thirty-four to twenty-seven. Very exciting game here. Uh, some big special teams plays. This went kind of right all the way down to the wire. Aaron Rodgers had a big game over 400 yards and Adams had 180 yards here. Uh, just like very impressed with Philly's ability to rally at this point. They got a huge game out of Jordan Howard. They had just like, given this is a team who were essentially trying to sign guys off the street last week to play wide receiver because of the injuries and they're missing so much of their 
cornerback room and everything to be able to pull out a win on the road on a short week in Lambeau is a huge deal for them. But that's not to underplay how good Green Bay looked. Again, offense fits and starts at times and some issues, but their defense looks so much better than it has in previous seasons. They look like a team that doesn't need to just rely on Aaron Rodgers at times. And yeah, they lost this game, but this is... You know, could look good this year, but definitely shows they're laying a foundation for how you're going to be able to win with Rodgers down the line as he gets a little bit older. To be fair, like the Philadelphia Eagles got, let's be honest, a little bit lucky in this game. Like Carson Wentz had only 160 yards with three touchdowns, and the run game was effective, 150 yards. But even if you put all together, you're talking like a sub three fifty yards game. That's mm-hmm. usually good enough to win in the NFL. Um, if you have a good offense, which the Green Bay Packers do. So I think, you know, the Eagles got a fair amount of luck in terms of, yeah, they had special team, a special team touchdown, a few turnovers from um, the Packers. So I think, yeah, the Packers defense, this wasn't their best performance by far, but I think you, you wouldn't say that, yeah, the defense is something special here and they have a nice foundation there that they can build on. And as you say, the big worry in Green Bay now is the offense um, can the flower and Aaron Rodgers get on enough that they can actually create some consistent offense. I think it'll be very interesting to see how they do with those injuries we talked about earlier on. Can they kind of keep consistency when you take away the Devante Adams um, safety blanket? On the Philly side, obviously we know they have a lot of injuries, like even Alshon Jeffrey, who did okay, who you could tell he was also a little bit banged up. Yeah. I think Philly, this is just a, you know, they got, they, they, they pushed their luck and they got away with a few things. Um, there was a big PI call. Um, that was challenged by Green Bay. That was definitely PI. Like the the Avante Maddox basically jumped into MVS. Um, but apparently the refs don't want to turn over those type of things in prime time at the moment. So apparently uh, that didn't happen. But I think you know, I think the big thing for the Eagles is is that um, the run game finally got going in this game. In this game, I think the run game, especially with a good front at Green Bay, has been a bit up and down uh, with their three-headed attack of Howard. Sanders and uh, Darren Sproles. Mm-hmm. Jordan Howard, good on the line, good in the red zone. Although I just think Sanders is the more dynamic playmaker. But I think for the for the Philly thing, I think Carson Wentz is looking good. So if they can get production from the running backs, especially while the receivers yeah. are on the mend, I think that should make them a dangerous team going forward. The fact that they continue to, like they got a win like this while dealing with those injuries, it's just a really good indication that Philly should be there at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, especially with Dallas looking a little bit vulnerable this week. At this point in the season, we're already going to start to cut short some of the game reviews because, <laughs> let's be honest, fuck this game. Tennessee at Atlanta, 24-10. to Blair team beats a poor team. Henry got a lot of use in this one. He got 27 carries. Mariota looked sharp on his, like, 18 completions. Some very nice throws in there. Throws that I would not expect Mariota to make because I don't rate him as a quarterback. And I think it's probably more flash in the pan than massive change. And they're getting some good work out of A.J. Brown. The Falcons went aggressive, They went, but they went one for four and fourth down attempts. Matt Ryan throws for 400 yards because, of course, he's going to throw for 400 yards. No touchdowns. Their defense looks soft as shit. It's just a bleh team. I don't care about this game. Titans, you still bore the shit out of me. I still don't think you're going anywhere. And Atlanta look to be just circling the toilet bowl. There's probably going to be a bit of a clean out there unless they get it turned around this season. 
Cleveland Baltimore 40 to 25. This one was a little bit more exciting. Hype is back on the menu for uh for the Browns. Chubb had a massive day, 165 yards and three touchdowns. Landry went over 160 as well. Like it's remarkable like a 40-point game and I think Odell Beckham had 20 yards in this game. Yeah, like Jackson looked shaky. He had two interceptions. Uh, Ingram fumbled. Like Baltimore were killing themselves in this game. But on top of it all, the defense that was much vaulted last year just didn't look all that good. And I don't know if it's their gasp from the game against the Chiefs or it was just, you know, this was a very different looking Cleveland team than what we saw earlier in the season. But yeah, like they just didn't look up to scratch. There's a little bit of controversy going on in that defense. Earl Thomas, some fans were complaining about him giving up on the big chub run. Um, that's great. It's a great way to say big chub run. <laughs> but sometimes we're, we're complaining. But like the angle wasn't really there. Well, no, he he even, he came out and made a statement about it afterwards, and he could not have said a worse thing. He said, "I pulled up because I didn't want to pull my hamstring." If you've yeah, got correct. an old safety, you don't want him then going. He's like, "Yeah, I gave up on that play because my body just wasn't up to it." <laughs> like, just say anything else. Just say I got distracted by a lady in the crowd or something. Like. <laughs> And to be fair, it was, it was also a little bit uh, interesting because he had also been criticising Brandon Williams, who um, was pulled just before the game due to an injury he's, he's carrying. So uh, it, it's a little bit of a hypocrisy there, perhaps, depending on your perspective. So, yeah. it's a, you know, after starting out 2-0, and looking like the hotness, definitely murmurings of discontent within that Baltimore locker room now. And Lamar, I think, looked a bit more like the... Um, Lamar we saw in the playoffs last year indecisive a little bit inaccurate still looked good when he ran the ball and I think Ingram you know it was okay besides the fumble I think the big thing for the Cleveland Browns though was that I think the fact that they finally got Chuck going was huge for this team because they've been so reliant on like Mayfield to kind of make something happen for them and it just hasn't been happening at all and I think the fact that you know they didn't put Chubb on every play they just kept them for designed run plays uh, he, he played actually less snaps than he had previous weeks but was kept fresh made a huge difference here and the fact that Mayfield was more willing to go to Landry with those kind of short passes uh, obviously some of them ended up being longer but generally short passes was just good progress for this team and then we talked about the fact that they needed to simplify down their playbook kind of get back to basics back to what they were doing last year and we saw that here and now hopefully maybe they can sprinkle in some of the fancy stuff that they were hoping to do um, this year but I think for Cleveland they're now top of the AFC with a tiebreaker over Baltimore and you know the early season panicking uh, should hopefully be settled for now and they can settle into you know hopefully having a successful season yeah of course and obviously you don't want to say anything like this is a subpar performance in Baltimore but they still looked good and I reckon they're probably better than they were in this situation it's just bad that they lose the home game in this in this split with a divisional rival uh, next up was a phenomenal game Kansas City at Detroit 34-30 to Detroit's defense were fantastic I must say I've, I've said before and I wasn't rating the Lions really at all going into this and after watching the game I'm very impressed the, the scheme that Patricia put together to try and shut down Mahomes and the Chiefs offense was very impressive I think Mahomes went 0 of 8 on deep balls which is just something that doesn't happen because they were just pushing around the pocket and just getting that tight coverage but Patricia I think was heavily involved in breaking down the Rams scheme previously and also with the uh, the New England success against KC previously so kind of to expected Stafford looked excellent in this game even though he came in with a hip injury throwing some very tight balls I think it was this third touchdown 
when he literally it's an absolute bullet. Yeah, like needled it through four defenders. Like now, the, the one thing I will say is, fuck me if this doesn't make me terrified about our linebacking core. They are just <laughs> terrible. Now Wilson's been like our best linebacker, and I think he got knocked out with an injury in the, like the second quarter. But like they were just missing tackles and running into each other. It was, oh, it was messy. Bit of a scheme bit issue there, I think, still. Yeah, they're still figuring it out, I think, particularly because I think, from what I gathered, the scheme they're trying to run is like the front four are meant to be eating stuff up to free up the linebackers to do things, but most of our, like, high-talent players are in the front four, so maybe don't have them eating up stuff, have them making the plays instead. But yeah, like, uh, lots of excitement. There's a 99-yard fumble recovery touchdown on the goal line. To a large extent influenced by the fact that that was the refereeing crew who blow blew the oh, yeah. game, play dead against in the Saints Rams game. So yeah. apparently they're now uh, we're not we're not whistling until yeah. absolutely sure. But the thing is, like case. to be fair, it's the correct approach to take because, like yeah. I said, they went to the tape and it was the correct call. But like it's just I think it confuses people where they're like, wait. Hold on, we're meant to still be chasing them? At like it was messy though. There was six turnovers, six oh, in yeah. just the third quarter. Like it was a lot of fumbling. A lot of fumbling. And like some incredible I was clearly coached into the Detroit defense because they were leading with the fists, just doing peanut punches the whole time. There was a beautiful moment, I think it was the second fumble the Chiefs had during that quarter, where uh the ball was caught by Sammy Watkins. The defender was there and didn't touch him down, waited until Watkins got up and then just punched the ball out from his hands, which is just crazy awareness. If like it's 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 just something you wouldn't see. Uh and then obviously you had like Andy Andy managing to actually manage a clock and uh this phenomenal, if you want to look at the highlight, hook and ladder play by Travis Kelsey, where he went up, got the ball, had clearly been watching the Rugby World Cup and just loved the look <laughs> of the Lions. So he just went up, got the ball, and then just threw it backwards into the hands of the running back, Shady, who just went onwards. And that did, like, I, like I'm sure they'd be practicing it, but I don't, that's obviously not how it was planned because. No, like, Kelsey seen it afterwards. One of the classic Pat Mahomes running out to his right and just flings it across his body at the speed that most quarterbacks would kill for <laughs> off a good platform but just, yeah just like, that kind of improvisation I think just the swag that Pat Mahomes is bringing to the team and yeah. they're just feeling themselves right now oh, I don't yeah. think many 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 players or teams will be willing to do that just, it's a testament to the fact that even though Kansas City were stifled to the most extent oh, yeah. uh, this game they still put up 34 points and even when it came down to the last drive to take the lead and win the game you never really doubted that Mahomes could do it. Even on fourth and long, he decided, I don't even need to pass. I can run. It's like, oh yeah, he can run as well. <laughs> okay, is there anything he can't do? Pretty much no. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a great situation to be as a Chiefs fan. Like, fair play to Detroit. They basically pulled out all the stuff oh, that yeah. they could. Um, and we're a bit unlucky, obviously, with that uh, fumble recovery touchdown. Um, and Matt Stafford looked good, but uh, and Carry On Johnson's actually getting the volume now. Mm. Um, but I think just the Chiefs, they look pretty unstoppable at the moment. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, like I said, if this is the baseline, <laughs> I'll take this as the baseline. Uh, one thing that I'll say, if you want if you want something exciting to watch, there's uh, this video from the sidelines of Mahomes giving his pump-up speech to the guys before they took the field for the, uh, for the game-winning drive with uh, two minutes and ten seconds left. Jesus boy, like you'd run through a fucking brick wall for him if you read that. When you hear that, it's it's phenomenal. And uh, next one, I'll let you take this one. This one was a fucking shite fest. Yeah, so Carolina uh, at Houston, sixteen to ten. Carolina get a very much an arm wrestle of the game. 
like Deshaun Watson was stifled only 160 yards. They couldn't really get anything going uh, and only got 10 points in the end. Uh, Carolina, they didn't really do a lot. Kyle Allen definitely a lot less successful than he was in the last week. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey obviously continues to be Christian McCaffrey and do those type of things and get and basically had a couple of ridiculous plays, including a kind of bobbled catch that he managed to do. And I think, you know, Kyle Allen um, on the game-winning drive had a really good play where he managed to scramble out of a bad situation with J.J. Watt basically nearly punching his head off, stayed on his feet, made a great pass, and basically killed the game off. So I think for Carolina, similar to what the Saints are doing, they managed to grind out a win this week. And I think like, considering where the NFC side is, that's a huge win. As for the Houston Texans, they're just inconsistent as always. And in a division where every team is 2-2, two and two, um, they basically feel just basically feel like a two and two team right now and the rest fire of the bill games. o'brien just fire bill o'brien <laughs> like fucking ridiculous like oh yeah let's get nuke to throw a touchdown or throw a pass oh, for no yeah, reason and get an interception like fuck off uh, also just a fun stat out of the side uh alan every time he's been sacked he's fumbled Every time, you know, there's there's the key to beating him. Sack him. He'll lose the fucking ball. Uh, next up, yeah, JJ. <laughs> next up, New England at Buffalo, sixteen to ten. A win is a win, but the Pats did not look great in this at all. Tom Brady was held to about one hundred and fifty yards. All defense here. Four interceptions. Special teams touchdown. Oh, it was just it was just nasty. Like. And on top of it all, when you look at it, if you if you get four interceptions against this Buffalo team, who you're you know you've got this great record against, and everyone says they're pretenders, you get four interceptions and you just scrape by with six points. That is that is a worry. And I get that this Bills team have a great defense and everything, but like they were down to their second string quarterback, they were missing some other players. And they were still going toe-to-toe here. Like, am I just massively underrating the Bills? Or did the Pats look shaky against the first proper competition that they came up against? Like, their defense looked good, but shaky. I think the Bills are a good outfit. I think, in particular, the defense is a very good outfit. I think the offense is very, very inconsistent, but it's perfectly capable of having explosive plays. Like, let's be honest, the Bills, based on the metrics, on the yards should have won this game, yeah. um, and the only difference in the score in the end was that special teams uh, touchdown for New England on a punt, and I think like the New England offense hasn't, you know, ha- has looked decent against the really bad teams, but now given a real challenge, it hasn't good, but like the defense for the Pats right now is just so good that they're managing to basically get the job done. Um, I think you do have to be worried a bit as a New England fan, but, you know, uh, the cliche is, is that you know, winning when you're not the best team is the sign of a champion and all that kind of bullshit. And I think you know New England, they're champion enough that they can probably sort this out. I think they're trying. I think they're, the loss of Devlin last week was actually a bit of a change. They're going to have to make some adjustments to their scheme. But let's be honest, do I doubt that Bill Belichick will have a functioning offense team like by week ten? No, I don't doubt it because every time one doubts it, you end up being looking like a fool. No, I think Buffalo are certainly they should be contenders for the wild card. But yeah. You know, losing this type of game is probably an indication of why they aren't ready to overhaul the New England Patriots yet. In the no, of course. And like I said, uh, they've got a nice looking schedule ahead of them. Also, the Pats continue now into a, a just a field of tomato cans to presumably re- 
emerge undefeated into their match against the Chiefs later on in the season or whatever. Uh, Oakland, Indianapolis, 31 to 24. Indianapolis were missing pretty much everyone. No TY, no Funches. Obviously, the injuries from beforehand missing their safeties and stuff. They couldn't keep drives alive. They were down early and chasing. So then they couldn't really use their run game all that much. And Marlon Mack got injured as well. Oakland looked okay, but nothing amazing. Burford, obviously we discussed him earlier, was headhunting and was a dickhead. Their tight end, Waller, looks like a great pickup and a player that they're going to be able to build around for the future if he keeps up this. And I, the only note I have on him is, I think it's the first time I saw a player look good on hard knocks and it's followed through into the season. Basically, shorthanded team plays meh team. Oakland keep themselves a bit more interesting for the fans in London next week. Then was the Chargers at Miami, 30 to 10. The Chargers did enough. Like I think teams are basically not using their full playbook against Miami because they're so bad. Miami were briefly ahead. Yay for them. Their the first, first time, time, I think. You know, we've said it before. There's nothing you can really take away from these Miami games right now. They just look like a lost outfit. Some sparks of maybe improvement here. Uh, for Miami fans, but it's pretty dire. I think for every team that visits Miami, you're just hoping not to lose anyone. I think Melvin Ingram picked up a little bit of an injury, might be out for a couple of weeks, but other than that, LAC get the win and are back on track to perhaps be in the wild card hunt for the, in the AFC. Because mm. the Chiefs aren't going to directly get past the Chiefs, let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> uh, goes at the Giants 3-24. to This was a brutal game. Tough start for Haskins. He got into the game uh, after I think it was the start of the second quarter he had no centre no left guard well not that he had none there was people there they just weren't starters uh, it would be very difficult for a quarterback to play with no centre this is to pick the ball up off the ground so he's missing his starting centre left guard wide receiver one tight end one 100 yards and three interceptions just awful Jones wasn't incredible but got the job done the defence did the job really on this one although I'd say it's probably more to do with the Washington quarterback play than anything else nothing to really be learnt here the Giants still had a run game even though their Saquon is out but like you can't take anything for a game against Washington they are seemingly worse than Miami maybe because Miami are kind of intentionally playing this badly and Washington seemed to just not be able to get out of the funk so yeah Blah. so Seattle and Arizona 27 to 10 surprisingly routine win for Seattle and Arizona not really what happens there but basically wire to wire the Seattle offense was efficient Russell looked good Carson got over 100 yards and no fumbles and basically the defense did enough did plenty and Clowney got a nice touchdown so it was kind of the perfect get right game after losing last week Arizona didn't do anything on defense their offense looked pretty bad and to be honest the only question about Arizona right now is how bad can it get before the fans start to turn on the special case yeah like I'm just yeah at the moment I'm picking them to lose pretty much every game because I can't see who they're going to be better than this is just not working. They're going to have to do another clean-out in Arizona. On the plus side, they might have uh, a top two or three pick to pick up a new quarterback instead. Uh, <laughs> next one was actually a, an exciting game, a bizarrely exciting game. Tampa Bay at the Rams, 55-40, to 40, an active score a gammy, which is it's the first time that score has ever happened in the NFL history, as far as we know. Uh, epic shoot-up between these guys, both previous number one picks. Goff looked messy, but like... Yeah, Tampa Bay, they did well, but again, didn't look incredible. Their offense was firing pretty well. Godwin had a hell of a day. The thing with this game is, because the scoring got so high and lopsided early on, 
the Rams couldn't stick to what their normal plan was. They had to go away from the run game almost immediately and just start throwing. I think they threw it something like 60 times in this game. And that is a textbook way to beat the Rams because if you just force them to constantly put it into his hands, I just don't think that Goff is good enough to do that. I think they need that run game established. and need to be able to control it. And I just... I just am not loving what I'm seeing from this. And it's so weird to say this in a, like a, for a team that scores 40 points in a game. But I'm just not loving what the offense looks like at the moment. And some of that 40 points was all in like catch up basically against prevent defense kind of stuff. Because our, like Tampa Bay don't have a good defense either. Golf, it wasn't just that he was kind of ineffective. He was highly inaccurate. Some of those picks were definitely on him. Uh, and uh, uh, he was very mistake prone in this game. I just think he just he looked out of his depth right now. I'm sure he got over 500 yards, but you know, like I just it was very bad. But like to be fair, don't take don't take too much away from the Tampa Bay front seven. They're doing a great job in this game of you know getting after Goff, putting him under pressure. Like if you think of that first that fourth down play where basically Kevin Minter just comes right through the line. Goff is completely surprised and just throws it up and gets inter- intercepted by Shaq Barrett, who, by the way, is having a hell of a season. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way. but is he like, like nine defense, sacks and an interception? Yeah. Like the front seven is really good. The secondary, not so much. So there is a way to beat them, and they obviously have been beaten. As for the offense, Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston. He looked a lot better in this game, particularly when throwing to Chris Godwin. But, you know, when they looked like they were about to close out the game, he did manage to throw a pick six. But uh, so, who's a change, I suppose, with uh, with uh, young Jameis. Uh, well, not so young Jameis. So, I think Tampa Bay, I'm willing to get on board with Tampa Bay being a so bad, they're good type team. And considering the likes of the Titans and Atlanta out there, I'm willing to give them the benefit of doubt going forward as being a team worth watching. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. I just, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. I'm, I'm not sure how sustainable their play style is and you know oh it's no way sustainable but it'll be fun to watch yeah <laughs> <laughs> just can't wait till it blows up again and then <laughs> Bruce Arians has to figure out a new way to refresh the quarterback and bring him back down and uh, next one was oh yeah uh, Minnesota Chicago 6-16 I've a note here from Fitz how could I doubt Connor's Cousins logic yes Cousins can't beat good teams the Chicago Bears have a good defense yeah like the defense dominated Cousins got a like garbage time touchdown as he always does Minnesota's defense was okay but yeah like I can't I can't fully blame Cousins for this his line was awful and the Bears defense was disruptive and just swarming in this but yeah like this is a team in Chicago that can win a game scoring like 12 or or 15 points like you know it's not one that needs to be all that big so like the reservations I tend to have about them are Trubisky one he's not in there now and two this defense is good enough that I think I don't think they can hang with the like the big offenses but I think a game like this no issue and, and they were also missing Rokon Smith and one of the, and Akeem Hicks and they still managed to be that dominant that is you know a testament to what they're doing there on defense at the moment oh yeah we were all wrong in the offseason with the idea of like they've lost the coach and the the turnover differential was so high that it's completely unsustainable <laughs> it's like nope they're doing just fine uh next up was a actually kind of a fun game jacksonville at denver 26 to 24 right down to the end god damn it i love me some wind shoe <laughs> it's just so good there was a phenomenal play in this where he got 
injured on a on the play beforehand, gets up, they snap the ball, he fumbles it, picks it up, and then throws a throws a completion. It was just yeah, like I think we got noted down here, like he was inconsistent. Inconsistent as shit, yes. But Jacksonville's defense is looking a lot better than it was beforehand. They finally got Fournette back on the go. I think he had over 200 yards in this game. Oh, yeah. Like, Denver um, just bleh, to be honest. Like, you, you see the contrast. Like, Jacksonville weren't good for a lot of this game. But Minshew, and like Nick Foles, who they brought in, has a lot of... Well, he's got that kind of aura, I suppose. Minshew now comes in as a six-round rookie. He's got that kind of... Or, uh, lack of a better term, he's mm-hmm. like throwing Denver's playoff hopes over the mountains. Um, like, he's just got, like, I think it's just a team that, despite not really being that much better than they were under Blake Portals, in my opinion, they just seem a lot more fun because their quarterbacks aren't complete idiots, basically. Um, and I think his, his flashes of brilliance, like, I'm thinking of that touchdown play where he basically evaded four defenders and was basically jostling around the pocket was really fun to see. And you just compare that to Denver, who are just so milk toast right now. You know, this is another game where they went up within the two-minute warning uh, after a very efficient, very, you know, very nice drive, and then they throw it away again like they did against Chicago. And you're just kind of like, this is an 0-4 team with Joe Flacco, a quarterback, with an aging defense, and you're kind of going... What is the point in this team right now? You saw Chris um, Harris's comments after the game. He said, like, 13 weeks and I'm out of here. <laughs> like, they are... Everyone <laughs> yeah, is so just getting... Like, they're just losing get, everyone. Von Miller looks like he isn't putting in his effort anymore. Like, it's just, it's going to get pretty bad down there in Denver. Because um, they're not going to really try, I think, after week seven or so. No, I think... They've already stopped trying already. Like I said, like, I think they're going to throw the... I think they're going to throw the, the rookie in there at some point then and just see what they've got because they need to figure it out because uh, they've got nothing happening in the current setup. Dallas at New Orleans, 10-12. to 12. Yeah, like, New Orleans scraped this win, but it's just... It was a weird game, to be honest. Like... Dallas's offense just didn't really do that well. It's caused, you know, hundreds of articles to be written now this week about, oh, well, you know, they were just playing no nobody's beforehand. Maybe this is who they are. Like, I don't know. Their line wasn't up to scratch at all. Like, it was just, it was just weird. I don't fully yeah. get it. Like, this wasn't what you would expect out of either team, even given that New Orleans has the, as, as, Teddy in there at the moment like this isn't the so like Zeke was less than two yards a carry like it was just weird yeah and I think like it's kind of similar to the game they played last year which was also a bit of a a defensive showdown and I think like to be fair both these defenses on their day can be among the top in the league and I think at the end of the day both like Dak Prescott looked a lot less like looked pretty ordinary in this game after looking really good in the first few weeks of the season. Um, and I think both of these teams are ones that when things are going badly, uh, they rely on their running back. And I think we saw here that Alton Kamara uh, had a few more moments of magic in him. Even though his like statistics weren't good, there was a few plays that he made, like splitting uh, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith uh, in, in one a couple of plays, that kind of showed that his slipperiness can just add that little bit extra yards after contact that Zeke perhaps doesn't, always get if you if you knock them up and to be fair to Dallas like they sacked Teddy Bridgewater a lot but sacked probably be more against Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater because that's not why the offense runs so I think it's just these two teams just at the moment seem to when they face each other 
managed to create a very anticlimactic situation. Bank for New Orleans, another win by hook and by crook. And 2-0 and without Drew Brees, they couldn't be happier at the moment. Oh, yeah. This, this wet fart of a Monday night football. Who cares? Cincy like Pittsburgh, 3-27. to Yeah, Pittsburgh win 27-3 to over Cincinnati. They dominated them. Um, 125 yards for James Conner who's had a bit of a slow start but to be fair the fact that they had a fair amount of wildcat mixed in gives you an indication that they're not really trusting Rudolph right now um, didn't need to in this game that's fine uh, Cincinnati's O-line just so banged up that they were just like it was a turnstile and Andy Dalton really couldn't do anything um, and for I think for Pittsburgh if they want to like they're one game behind in the AFC North. If they want to go ahead, they're going to have to see if Rudolph can let it fly. But I think in Cincinnati, you're more looking at a fire sale before the trade window because they have a lot of older pieces on that team. Yeah. And you're kind of going, well, look, like they're not going anywhere this year and you have a new coach. Let's actually give him something to work yeah. with this offseason. Well, this is the thing. Like, pretending they're just something there worth keeping. AJ Green is... 30 or 31 years old. 31. And yeah. he's only got, he's, he's out of there next year. So you might as well trade him if you can get anything for him. They've got, I think Dalton, they don't owe him any money after this year so they can cut him. They've got a couple of linebackers that they could maybe, like the only thing I think they'd probably keep mixing just because they need a good running back for well, him. Yeah. So yeah, like there is, there's a couple of, like, like there's a couple of players worth keeping and they have, they signed people like Tyler Boyd or he's a solid playmaker, but just, you know, this is a team in need of a rebuild. No, of course. And I suppose with that, we'll move on to the questions from you, the listeners. So we've got three questions in this week. Uh, we'll try and fly through them quickly. Uh, first one, nasty penalties, Burfitt, QB injuries, etc. Do we need a new form of fines or punishment? So yeah, obviously there was a lot of this we were discussing. There was a couple of instances that looked like headhunting and everything. Uh, Burfitt, I think this question came in before uh, Burfitt was officially giving uh, his, his season-long ban. But yeah... I do feel that like there probably does need to be something a little bit more like even something along the lines of the rather than a on review this was so bad we're going to give you a two game ban almost like the red card system type thing where they have to miss a certain number of games by default for following through on certain things maybe something like that would help them or even like there's there's a thing that they have in the GAA here I'm not sure if they've got it in uh, other sports called the um, the black card which is they just I suppose they kind of got that because they can eject them yeah, from the they game can eject, like I think they need to be more willing to give suspensions out for these type of actions and not wait for it to turn into an absolute shit show which is what they did in the case of Perfect and I think other than that you know, maybe you can consider punishing the team a little bit as well um, rather than just the player if it gets particularly egregious like the Perfect situation like the NFL is very unwilling to add suspensions for on-field incidents. I think they should reconsider that and maybe be more like other sports, as you mentioned, which are willing to hand those out. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, I can't think of other ones. Like I've seen a lot of people online saying like, well, lads who get flagged for things like Burford should now be like, you should now be allowed to like crack back block them and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. not quite the message you're trying to send, I feel. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think the uh, the intention is lost somewhat with that. Next up, an XFL rule right there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, next up, we have uh, there's been no Miami win since the Miami Miracle versus New England last year. Is this a league wide conspiracy or have they just used up all their luck? Uh, uh, sorry, they're trying to lose. Uh, they've had all the luck in doing so. They don't need luck when they're just good at losing. Like, there's no luck involved in where they're at right now. They're just, they're intentionally being shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just. 
Yeah, it's just awful. And you feel for the players, like the ones who are who are trapped oh. there. Like it's just it's just an absolute mess. Yeah, I think they did use up all their luck on that one because realistically that was luck that won them that game as well. But um yeah, just it's 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 just that they are terrible. It's not a conspiracy. I think all the other owners would be happier if they kept it competitive for like I'm sure anyone who's got a home game against the Dolphins this year is kinda of going, Fuck, no one's gonna buy tickets for that. Like no one wants to come and see whoever's left of that team come week thirteen. Finally, how long until the Mazungos fire their head coach? It can't be that long. I suppose yeah, he threw the rookie quarterback in this week and he got murdered after spending the last week talking down about him and saying that he wasn't ready for it and then came out after the after the game and fucking buried him as well like if you've got a rookie quarterback you meant to go like oh I put this on me you know uh, we didn't call the right plays or you know like oh it was tough out there we weren't executing he's like yeah the kid's not yeah. ready like <laughs> And like all, all the off-season rumors about the fact that he wasn't involved in, dra- in drafting Dwayne Haskins, yeah. and that he would probably there's rumors that he might try to play Colt McCoy, who's back from injury instead. I've heard that, week, yeah. Because it's a full-on quarterback battle. It's just like ownership obviously want to push this new rookie quarterback. Jay Gruden had to win, he even admitted himself this season. They're now 0-4. The rookie was absolutely destroyed. The coach is shitting on him. Like, this is, like, to be honest, if I was Shea Gruden, I'd be trying to get out anyway, uh, get a nice job with John, maybe, but, uh, yeah, like, neither side wants to be there right now, and there's only so long that can last. He's probably just sticking around until they fire him so he can continue to get paid, basically. My my guess is two weeks. I think they play the Patriots, they're going to get fucking murdered. The week after that, they host the Dolphins. If, that, that's the ultimate test. That is like uh, I think uh, they might fire him if they're smart, which obviously they're not in that in that organization. If they were smart, they would fire him before that game and give the new coach and the quarterback a chance a to quick win, back up an easy win. Yeah, I don't know. It's just let, like let Jay get smushed by New England and then move on from there. By the way, I'm just I'm calling it now. We're not going to bother covering that game. If you're if you're here in two weeks' time to hear the Dolphins Redskins takes, no, <laughs> it's just not happening. I'm sorry. Right, we'll go and have a look at the games for next week. Okay, so we'll fly through these Thursday night football: LA Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. Ooh, have you gone back to your reverse jinxing fits? Uh, I've uh, gone for the Seattle Seahawks, and Fitz has gone for the Rams. Yeah, let me let me be honest here. Like, I think both these teams are. Pretty good. Seattle obviously had a better week, but against the worst opponent. Um, but I'm basically just doing the well. If Seattle lose, at least I got a pick back because I'm way behind on the picks and I need everything. I yeah, I, I am somewhat destroying you in the pick. Seattle wins, so whatever. Yeah, no, I think Seattle looks strong. They're at home. It's a Thursday night football game. Yeah, just gonna go with that. Next up, Jets at Philly. Yeah, I think we're both going for Philly. They look good this week, and the Jets. Quarterback still not back from mono, even though they're coming off a uh, off a bye week. Just Philly looked a much cl- like a class above versus what we've seen from the Jets so far. Yeah, like I think if the Jets are starting to fall, it'll be a blowout. If Darnold does manage to start, which is looking mostly unlikely at this point, then it might be slightly more competitive. But even in that case, Philly are the favourites by far. Yeah, you got to feel. Uh, next is my pick of the week: uh, the Battle of the Baby Ballers, Jacksonville at Carolina, Minshew versus Allen. I've gone for Jacksonville, and Fitz has gone for Carolina. 
Uh, when will I learn, Connor? When will, when will I you learn? learn? Get on, get on board the Minshew Express. Uh, yeah, this should be good fun. I think both teams have good defenses that have been playing well of late. Uh, both have inconsistent quarterbacks who have shown flashes of magic at different times. The difference is when Minshew gets hit, he picks the ball up and he throws a completion on the same fucking play. When Allen gets hit, he fumbles the ball every single time. But if he avoids the sack, then he throws an amazing play. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. This is this is the Jacksonville team that got like nine sacks two weeks ago. So yeah, a little bit worrying. Yeah. Uh, next up, Minnesota at the Giants. I've gone for the Giants, and you've gone for Minnesota. This is a tough Giants one. Giants have one of the worst run defenses in the league. I know they managed to stop Adrian Peterson big whoop, and that's basically all the invitation Minnesota needs. So that's why I think Minnesota can basically win the only way that they actually can right now, which is feed Dalvin Cook the ball forever. Yeah, see, this is this is a 50-50 here because the Giants are a 500 team. Uh, so they are... <laughs> it's not as easy for me to pick a Minnesota game in this spot. Uh, I just... Yeah, I just... I don't think Kirk Cousins is good. I think I'm probably making the wrong call here, but I just love the idea of like the Giants hype train getting all pumped up now going 3-0 and with the rookie starter. So I think that'll be fun. And I, to be honest, I just, I, I like parts of this Minnesota team. I love Dalvin Cook and all that kind of stuff, but I just, I just don't think they're that good. I think they're crumbling a bit. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Atlanta, Houston, we've both taken Houston. It's not like, it's not like we love Houston, but I think we're both very much on the anti-Atlanta train right now. Maybe Atlanta turn it around, but they just look, they feel like a hollow team right now with hollow results, hollow yards, and Houston, for all their faults, they, they're grand, like they're okay. Mm. Uh, but yeah, And their defense stepped up last week and looked decent. So. Yeah, Atlanta just, yeah, just no. Atlanta just looked way too soft. Uh, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. I've gone for Tampa Bay and you've gone for New Orleans. I'm just going on the back of, we just saw like, what, a 55-point game out of them. They look to have gotten some stuff going on offense. New Orleans have what they scored 12 points this week and like 20 the week beforehand or something i just don't yeah. i don't know i just i yeah uh, I, I think they're due I, I a lot like they just seem to be winning despite themselves despite Teddy Bridgewater not looking that good like they're doing the hook about crook and like greg rosenthal from the nfl.com on twitter was saying that this is sean payton's like bill belichick mac castle season hmm. and i'm just gonna think that sean payton will somehow do it again on paper, I could definitely see Tampa Bay after what they did last week, like actually beating New Orleans quite well. But like right now, I'm just going like New Orleans. They just seem to win and yeah. fair play. And to be honest, this is the kind of spot where, like I said, you're behind the picks game. You get to take New Orleans, and it could get you a pick back. Like it's not a it's not a bad spot to be in. I can't believe that I'm in week five and I'm picking Tampa Bay to beat New Orleans, <laughs> <laughs> and New Orleans are at home as well. Like what's going wrong? Uh, Buffalo at Tennessee. We've both gone for Buffalo. Who's Buffalo's backup quarterback again? Matt Barkley. Oh, wow. He's fine. He's, he's he was grand. okay in spot last year. And let's be honest, like this is a coin flip game by yeah. most accounts. Uh, but we like Buffalo and we don't like Tennessee, so Buffalo. Yeah, uh, pretty <laughs> much, yeah. I also like Buffalo. We are objective yeah. podcasters. Bu- bu- I'm going to say journalists. We're not journalists at all, but we are objective. <laughs> <laughs> we're hacks and we're proud of it. <laughs> Um, yeah, like Buffalo's Buffalo's defense should make the good old-fashioned Marcus Mariota come out. You know exactly what we expect. 
Next up, Arizona at Cincinnati. Uh, oh, we have found one that they might win. Yes, Do you know what? Really bad. Do you know what? Really bad. Fuck it, I'm changing mine. I'm going for Cincinnati. Okay. <laughs> like, Cincinnati and Arizona have both been really bad. Let's be honest, I would trust either of these teams to win any game. No, um, I don't either. We have to pick a game, and I just think, like, Arizona, David Johnson has looked all right. Terrell Suggs has looked all right. And just with the way that Cincinnati has been so moribund um, right now, I'm just like... I'm willing to give Arizona the benefit of the doubt here, but let's be honest, Connor, you can't trust either of these teams. No, they're both be, they're both terrible. It's gonna be a bad game, and either team can win. I can I can I can I can pretty much already tell you what our coverage of it next week will be. Our coverage of it next week will be this game happened. Let's move on. <laughs> New England take on the Mazungus. We don't even need to talk about this one. New England, like yeah. I, I think the only question is how many quarterbacks will we see for Washington during this game? Will we see two? Will we see three? It's just going to be... Then they terrible. start stitching them again with Frankenstein, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That would be fantastic. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, we've both gone for Baltimore. Like, yeah. Don't Pitt- believe the hype. It's one, they're one game back, but Pittsburgh are trash. And Absolute Baltimore trash. Like, should come back here. Just fucking awful. Uh, Chicago at Oakland. I am so torn about my choice on this one as well. Uh, I've gone for Oakland and you've gone for Chicago. Yeah, well, we know what Chicago need to do. They need to keep them under 12 points or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we'll say generously 16 because Oakland's defense isn't that good. But, uh, yeah, I think Chicago have a very set game, play, game plan. Oakland are a below-average team. Yeah. They have a chance just because, obviously, it's Chase Daniel and the offense is a bit moribund. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Chicago. Actually, hold on. I just, I just realized as well, this is in London, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to swap that because, Christ, the, uh, the boys will be traveling long as well. I oh, no, no. Do you know what? I'm going to stick with it. Let it ride. <laughs> you, have, you, you have the spare capacity. I have, I, I, I have it to make the fun. Yeah, I just, I, I think, I think, I think we might see the limitations in this one of like Chase Daniels on essentially a short week without as much practice time as you would otherwise having to step in and like them plan a game plan for him and stuff they'll start to see more like see more of why he's a backup rather than an actual starter I think whenever you see him in a full game not that I really rate Oakland but you know fuck it we'll see like two touchdowns to Waller and it'll be that'll be good uh, Denver at the ch- at the LA Chargers Chargers like yeah like the Chargers can definitely fuck this up because they're the Chargers but mm. they shouldn't because Denver are bad mm. and uh, the Chargers are away for this game in LA which is uh <laughs> Almost <laughs> unfortunate. And n- next up, Green Bay at Dallas. I've gone for Green Bay, and you've gone for Dallas. Yeah, like I think this is two teams that we were maybe higher on last week, but managed to lose in week four. Dallas, I kind of feel like yes, they were stifled by the Saints, but I kind of feel that they'll make some adjustments. I kind of, I still gonna believe in Kellen Moore, and I think it'll be harder for Green Bay um, to bottle up. Zeke Elliott because they didn't really do it against, against the Philadelphia running backs I think Dallas can grind a win out here um, at home and kind of get back to where they were but I expect this to be kind of another defensively kind of minded game um, and should will probably come down to just a handful of plays let's be honest especially no, I just think with Green Bay's injuries as well that might end up being the difference mm. that's what I'm thinking is like, I'm, I'm basing this entirely on Green Bay's defence uh, I think their defence is better than the Saints defence that stifled them last week they're also missing their offensive tackle which I think is going to be a problem for them and 
Yeah, I also still think that even though it's slow to start, I think that Green Bay offense is kind of going to find its way. I think possibly even the kind of thing of not having the single central focal point might force them to diversify a bit and spread it around and be a little bit less kind of big play based, which I think would be useful to see. But yeah, this is a coin flip game, essentially, uh, in my head. Uh, Indianapolis at KC, we've both taken KC. Yeah, I think... Mahomes, he's good at football. Good. Brand, but Casey had Matt Mahomes. Yeah, and he's home, and Indianapolis are very short-handed at the moment with the injuries that they've oh, had, so just not, not not a great spot for them to be going into. Many might call it a buzzsaw of sorts. The only plus is, if you got Marlon Mack and he's not injured, or you can pick up whoever the backup is for them, pick him up. I think the Chiefs are, his, are very close to being the historically worst run defense in the NFL through, through, through four games. We are not doing well. Our... Which it doesn't is, matter when you're up by 30 points. I know, point I, know. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> they were saying there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of theory that that's what they're doing intentionally of like the yeah. just give them the run because if they have to play catch up and make them eat clock. Uh, and finally, the... Make them eat clock. Andy Reid is Barry Antonin. Yeah, that'd <laughs> be great. This is the... So we thought week two with the... with the Or week three at the Jets-Browns was going to be the hype crash, or the hype train crash. I think this is going to be at Cleveland at San Francisco. Uh, the hype for this game, it's, it's an interesting game. It's my pick of the week, so obviously I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Obviously, San Francisco, the only remaining undefeated team in the NFC after, well, taking week four off. Very inconsistent uh, team. Obviously, we know the run game is a multi-headed monster, and it's mostly Shanahan uh, dependent. That scheme is just really good at getting running back going, and Jimmy Garoppolo has been up and down, we'll say. Whereas the defensive front, that all of that talent investment they've done seems to be actually bearing fruit. With the defensive line at times being absolutely dominant, in, like say the game against Cincinnati, although not a great team. And so you have these kind of really high points in their team. On the other hand, their secondary is still a little bit questionable. Although Richard Sherman's actually having a good year, everything else in the secondary is a little bit questionable. And as I said, Jimmy G is a little bit of a question. And the offensive line is missing Joe Staley. On the other hand, Cleveland, obviously, a huge get-right game against Baltimore where they won this week. Um, but I'm not quite willing to just say, okay, they bet Baltimore, now they're a contender in AFC. I think, in particular... Like I think their O line is still a little bit vulnerable. I, I just I just swapped to San Francisco, but then I was thinking about it like this San Fran team Connor, shouldn't Connor. be four and zero. You trusting my judgment? That's a mistake. <laughs> that is definitely a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of like I'm I'm in that spot of kind of thinking actually yeah, they have so many pass rushers in San Francisco, and that was the problem that the guys face. Although actually no, do you know what? I'm going to stick with it because. I remember one thing and one thing alone about D Ford, and that is when he, while he can rush the passer very well, my God, does he whiff on run blocking, <laughs> run stuffing? He is awful at that. And uh, sure, we'll have a bit of fun. Like they, they, I, th- I think, I think this will be an exciting game to watch. Uh, it's at least a worthwhile Monday night. Yeah, football, it's a, it's a big, we haven't had yet. big change from that fucking shit fest we had last week. <laughs> but yeah, so I suppose that'll wrap it up for those. Any other crack with yourself? Uh, I believe Ireland are playing rugby on Thursday, so I'll be keeping an eye on that. Uh, coming down to crunch time at work at the moment, so uh, be tipping away at that. Not not doing any exams, thankfully, but uh, <laughs> the closest thing you can get while in a work environment. Yeah, I'm uh, 
prep, prep, prep for exams. Got one on Thursday, and then I got my last one next Thursday, and then I'm finitoed uh, off the hook for a while at least, which will be nice, and I can get back to a semi-normal life of having weekends again, which will be uh, which will be fun. And then you know I'm gonna just, like hop in and start doing either a research paper or start trying to like, oh, I, I should probably relearn how to do SQL because that'll be useful. So it'll be yeah, I'll, I'll end up giving myself something stupid to do. So uh, I'll, I'll 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 figure out how to waste my time at that point pretty effectively. Uh, but we still got football to go and I've started I got my Game Pass thing set up so I've started looking at like the coaches film the All-22 <laughs> and I'm like ooh I could definitely sink a lot of time into this this could be fun so yeah how do you about this economist stuff become a scout you know well that's it I'll, I'll, I'll invent a new form of analytics let's be like yeah but have you considered regressing it against mustache size because yeah. if you had done that you would have found Gardner Minshew and he wouldn't have fallen to the sixth round yeah true yeah. fact it's going to be a really ironic when no one offers you a job except for the Tennessee Titans and you have to refuse it, basically. Yeah, I'm never <laughs> going to work for the Flaming Thumbtacks. Like, come on, would they ever fuck off? Good guy. Although, do you know what, actually, it is interesting. I think I maybe mentioned this to you before. You know, I can't remember if it's PFT or Pro Football Focus, but um, one of their main guys is Irish. Like they're, I think they're, I think their head statistician or whatever is an Irish fella who wasn't into American football at all until about six years ago when they were starting the company and uh, then got into it. Yeah, like why didn't you just like start a podcast and talk like he actually knows things instead? Like instead shut of, up, like, stop showing the futility of our actions. Expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, ah, some crack now, but yeah, so I'm gonna. F- Go do some study, I suppose, because uh, that's that's all my life is these days. Separation in the preparation. That's what they say, Connor. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go Hawks. <laughs> Go Hawks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, on that lovely note, as always, send in your uh, questions on Facebook to the Gmail account, to the Twitter. I, to be honest, I haven't looked at Twitter in a long time. I don't even know. We could be hacked by Russian bots and spreading propaganda at this point for all I know. That's fine, so I suppose uh, we'll catch up with you next week. But for now, it's bye from Fitz. Bye. Bye from myself. It's been all four quarters. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll chat to you next week. Bye.